The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on another gorgeous day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Sun is shining. I don't think there's a cloud in the sky. It is a wonderful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. This is the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you for the next two hours right here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. No Uncle T-Bone. He was here yesterday. Got people all sorts of fired up yesterday. And uh, he'll be back tomorrow, don't you worry. But tons of things to talk about on the show today. Uh, A big topic on the show yesterday was the Auburn defensive coordinator search. Well... That came to an end finally uh, last night, late last night. And we'll talk all about that news today. More basketball talk. Got to talk a little NFL today as well. And then Double D, Daryl Dapperts will join us coming up in hour number two. So that's what's on the show for today. And uh, big surprise for our loyal listeners. Uh, new intern John over running the board answering phones. If you want to call in, he'll wait for your call. 334-321-1390. And for those of you that are Loyal listeners tune in quite a bit. Former intern Michaela joining us in the studio for hour number one. Hello, Michaela. It's so nice to have you back. Hello. It feels good to be back. Feels like I've never left. Right. Well, you're uh, you're in the adult world now. You graduated from Auburn. Congratulations there. Thank you. And now you you got to tell. The, is this public? No. Is it public news now? Public yes, knowledge. Okay. I officially sign a contract. So yes. Yeah. Well, tell people where you're going. So it sounds a little crazy, but, you know, we're heading out of SEC territory into Big 12 territory, which Uh is pretty new for me. I accepted a job up in Topeka, Kansas, which is about an hour outside Kansas City, and I'll be doing kind of a hybrid reporter, hopefully get a little bit more into the sports reporting for a local news station there. So Well, good for you. Thank That's awesome. You. Well, congratulations to you. That is, uh, we, we were talking about it, you know, off the air and, and exciting things for you and your future and you're going to do fantastic and you're gone, what, like next week or something? Yes, like, I leave a week from Saturday. Wow. Me and my daughter driving up there, but, you know, we'll be up in Chiefs territory for the Super Bowl as they're to... Perfect time. Unfortunately, headed back to the Super Bowl. So <laughs> your uh, your favorite uh, music icon will be in presence. Or she'll be there. Apparently, there's a whole formula for her to make it from Tokyo to to Las Vegas. Somehow, like time, time travel will be invented for her to get there. I don't know. They'll figure out a way. Don't you worry. Did you see the number that the NFL has supposedly made in marketing from her since she's been with Travis Kelsey? I saw a number. I don't know if this is official or not, but like. $350 million in marketing revenue that they've like in value that she's brought to them since she's been a part of it. Like you can't tell me there's not a little something there about the Chiefs being in the Super Bowl. I'm just saying. I'm I just guess saying. I, I was a full believer in the color theory, the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, color the script. Theory. Yeah. And even yeah. Taylor Swift over, over 
ride it overrode that yeah, so she's too powerful man she's got too much uh too much pull going on in the nfl we're gonna talk about that some today uncle t-bone and i tried to get to it yesterday we just could never do it things kept happening and, and we had too many topics and had so many great phone calls yesterday as well we'd love to have some more today here on the show michaela will be, be with me all of our number one we'll have double d daryl dapperge with us in our number two but until then give us a call 334-321-1390 that'll get you through to us call in be a part of the show we want to hear your thoughts on the news that broke last night the news that is now complete Auburn's coaching staff is complete for Auburn football as Hugh Freeze and this staff they hired DJ Durkin the new defensive coordinator for Auburn it's official he is coming to the plains he will be Auburn's new defensive coordinator as of last night and there's a lot of, of discussion here, right? There's a lot to talk about with this hire. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people maybe don't really know how to feel about it. And that's what today is for. We want to hear from you. We're going to give our thoughts. We'll have some more coming up later on in the second hour as well. And so give us a call. How, how do you feel about DJ Durkin being the new defensive coordinator? And, and Michaela, I know you've been kind of tuning in, keeping up with everything going on here. This has been a ongoing process to get this defensive coordinator in here and the name DJ Durkin, even before he was hired at Auburn, the name DJ Durkin has had some negative connotation to it because of what his past looks like. Well, that's like any other coach in this league. Come on now. <laughs> we all, everyone was so concerned when Hugh Freeze was coming in and all the scandals he had. I think it's kind of it is what it is. You don't think it's a big deal? Don't they get, I mean, and of it's, course it's a big deal. You don't want to overlook it, but. Right. Right. And it it's really because of of Durkin's past, right? And we know what that entails. We know he's been DC at other places. He's coming over from Texas AM. He has had he's had coaching places and stints at Stanford, Florida, Ole Miss, Michigan, Texas AM, and then of course Maryland as the head coach where uh, there was a, a a huge situation there and we all know what that is and and that's been a while ago. And that's what I'll say is it's been a while. Does that make it okay? Does that make the whole situation and, and, and what that entailed? You can't just overlook that and wash it away. No, you cannot do that. But I just feel like some people, and a lot of people that's outside of Auburn, right? There's a lot of other SEC fan bases and programs that are wanting to shame Auburn and, and kind of poke fun at Auburn because they hired DJ Durkin after they hired Hugh Freeze, right? With, as you mentioned, the past that he has and and seems to be past that, right? And it's very easy for people to poke fun at Auburn and say, wow, you'd hired DJ Durkin. His past is terrible. But there's been a lot in between when that happened and him coming to Auburn. And let's not act like this isn't a scandalous conference because it most definitely is. Yeah, I mean, the SEC's not, I mean, look, football's not clean. No. And here's what I'll say. Since all of that happened at Maryland, okay, DJ Durkin has coached at Ole Miss, at Texas A&M, and he interviewed at Alabama. Nick Saban brought him in and interviewed, okay? So for other fan bases to come out and say, oh, DJ Durkin, how, how dare you hire him? It's idiotic. It really is. It is idiotic. And... What really kind of gets 
me going a little bit here is what a roller coaster whirlwind that this entire process was to get the defensive coordinator. We've heard so many different names. Chris Kiffin, DJ Durkin, Zach Arnett, I mean, and and, and Charles Kelly, who's on the staff, maybe he was going to get promoted and Auburn was going to go and hire somebody else, right? They were just going to go hire another position coach and have a couple of defensive coordinators. Like, there were so many different storylines here when it came to who Auburn was going to hire as their defensive coordinator. And I'll be completely honest with you. It seemed like... Before the news broke yesterday, I thought this was going a different direction. I thought it was going to be Kiffin. I really did. From the things I was hearing and what I was being told, I thought maybe Auburn had moved on from the whole DJ Durkin thing. And then all of a sudden, late last night, like 9 or 10 o'clock last night, all of a sudden the news breaks. And DJ Durkin's the new offensive, or excuse me, defensive coordinator for Auburn. And I just... I don't know what a whirlwind of a of a coaching search this was, and it took a little bit longer than I think fans were were hoping for. What do you think finally sealed the deal for Freeze to bring him on? Um, I mean, I think he's a great coach. I think DJ Durkin's a fantastic defensive coordinator. People like him because of his scheme. I think he's a good recruiter, but I think this was one of the few hires on this staff, and this is a conversation I want to get into later on. This was one of the few hires that you are highlighting the coaching ability, not just the recruiting, but the true coaching ability, scheming, play calling of DJ Durkin. Yes, he can recruit, sure, but Auburn's got a lot of recruiters on this staff right now. Auburn needed a coach. Auburn needed a guy that could bring them in, bring in talent at the defensive spot, and coach them up and make them better. And Texas A&M was a top 20 defense overall last year. So that's what I think brought DJ Durkin to Auburn. We got a lot more to talk about with that, but let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Andy, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, Wiggle, Jacob, how are you? Doing good, man. What's on your mind? Good. Um, so, you know, I'd say half the calls I call in, I relate the military to these football players. Yeah. And here's the perfect analogy where you actually are dealing with death um you know yesterday we just had three very fine americans die um in a rocket attack mm-hmm. and just overlooked i would say most callers don't even know about it but one football player dies and i'm i'm not <laughs> trying to, to say i want football players to die but you know they lost they lost their best argument of they're just kids and they're doing it for fun they lost that and i'm not saying anything about that young offensive lineman that passed away in maryland but it wasn't like the coach killed him. I think you got you watched that uh, Florida um, Netflix special about Tebow and his team. Yeah, the Swamp Kings, right? Right. I mean, they went after it, you know. And if you're not in shape, and if you're not out there performing, if you're not out there drinking water, you're going to have a heat stroke and you're going to die. I mean, people die all the time in military training, mm-hmm. and um, I just don't want to hear people talking about that one thing where. I swear we hold these football players up as, as on a pedestal. Um, again, maybe rightfully so, but with them getting paid the money, they know what they're getting into. I don't even know if you can run a player without them quitting these days, so who knows. But um, I'd like to hear more about his defensive coaching style. I think he lost a little up in Maryland, lost a little confidence with that where he's afraid to push people. Because um, I don't remember – uh, what Ole Miss and Texas A&M having stellar defenses, but mm. um, maybe if you could talk more on that and give me some encouragement. But I think it's a great hire. Okay. I just hope people don't bring up this, just that thing too much because yeah. um, 
that stuff unfortunately happens, and I think he was just pushing the team, trying to put Maryland on the map. So, yeah. Anyways, good hire, and I hope we can support him and, and love him, and I hope he can uh, do great things here um, like he did other places. Yeah, I'm with you, Andy. Appreciate the call, man. 334-321-1390. We appreciate you calling in. We'd love to get other people's thoughts on DJ Durkin being hired as Auburn's defensive coordinator. And I'll say this too, Michaela, kind of how we've been talking about it and really how everybody's been talking about it. There's always going to be people that bring that up. Like that, it, it's just, it's it's inevitable. It's going to happen. There are still people Hugh Freeze is over a year into this thing, and people still bring up the fact that Auburn hired a guy that was in scandals years ago at Ole Miss, right? And he has a past. He has admitted that, and 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 I think he's moved on from that, right? That's all we can hope for and assume. People are always going to bring that up, especially Auburn's rivals, right? Especially opponents and fan bases that don't like Auburn, don't want to see Auburn succeed. Like They're never going to let a place like Auburn forget that. And look... Partial, part of me thinks that's part of the role of a, of a college football fan is to always bring that type of stuff up. But when it comes to just DJ Durkin as a guy, we don't know him like that. We don't know anything like that. And so all we can do as as media and fans and people that listen and watch and cover and, and cheer for this team, all we could do is give the guy a chance, I think. Right, I agree. Of course you keep people in check. But going back to this incident, let's take an inside look into any team's summer camp practice yeah he just happened to have a freak incident happen and it's gonna follow him but he's not he's not the captain of the ship either and I think Hugh Freeze is really good at keeping everyone in check and keeping this specific kind of culture at Auburn because just kind of looking into DJ Durkin I know former players have said he's kind of a bully Mm -hmm. type coach but he's a hard dude yeah I think he's come back from that and I think Hugh Freeze is very much in control of this team and can keep him kind of in check and I like the hire. I think it's really important to point out that he's seasoned in the SEC, which I don't think our former defensive coordinator was great at handling. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I like the experience in the SEC. You need to coach in the SEC to know how to succeed in the SEC. So Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, you, you have to know how to recruit down here. You have to know how to coach down here. I mean, all of that, you know, all of that is 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 legit and to Andy's point you know talking about kind of what the defense looked like I mentioned that Texas A&M overall defensively last year they were 19th in the country they were a top 20 defense in in NCAA football and the thing that I always remembered and I remember when Auburn played Texas A&M that defensive front was was legit I mean it was good they got pressure they were physical they were fast they were big they got pressure on the quarterback and guess what Auburn has not done that in how many years? I mean, it's been a major, major issue on that side of the football is getting pressure on the quarterback, getting to the quarterback, getting the quarterback down, and containing the pocket. And I do think those are all things that DJ Durkin has done well with his defenses in the past, and hopefully that's something that he can do uh, with the Auburn defense. He's got some really good players coming in, a really good linebacker class, one of the Mm -hmm. best we've seen in a long time. And I think if you can bring those guys in, and here's the big thing for me, I'm tired of Auburn getting players that are really good and them just stalling out. No development, no teaching, Mm -hmm. no training, no improvement during their time, and then so many of them, and I'm not just talking defense, I'm talking just in general, then they go somewhere else and they become better and they light it up, right? And they are so good at what they do, they go play pro ball, whatever the case may be. I'm tired of that, and I think that can end. And I think Auburn 
is getting guys in here coaching wise mm-hmm. that can change that that can develop players and make them into sec caliber players because i don't care how good you are in high school ball you're not ready for division one power five sec ball you're just not cam coleman's not quite ready he'll be good he'll be great but he still has to develop and get better that's what i want to see across the board here at auburn yeah i think that was my problem with the coordinators last season is that that was a talented defense we had this past season and i just feel like they weren't being utilized to the best of their ability there was a lot of mistakes a lot of misplacement on the field and i'm hoping that he can come in and really kind of whip this side of the ball into shape yeah so yeah and you know also something else before we get to our first break here in hour number one i'm ready for auburn to get coordinators and keep coordinators and not just fire them keep them and there's a huge difference if you want to start comparing to what happens and what's been happening at Alabama with Nick Saban versus what's happening at Auburn. I mean, Auburn's had three head coaches in in this last decade or so, three head coaches, new coordinators every single year because it hasn't worked out or a coach mm-hmm. got fired and they left and then you bring more in or then they were here for a year and they were terrible and they got fired and you went and got somebody else compared to what's happened to Tuscaloosa where they go in, they coach under Saban, they become really good, and they go be head coaches somewhere. <laughs> like, there's a big difference in that. But I'm ready for Auburn to keep a coordinator for more than a year and him be good at his job. Is that crazy to ask for, Michaela? I don't know. I don't know. Well, if I was an athlete, I wouldn't want an unstable coaching staff my whole college career. And I think that's a big reason why people tend to transfer out. Yeah. And that's a huge reason. And a lot of these kids. They don't just commit to a school or even a head coach. They commit to those coordinators Mm -hmm. or those position coaches. And look, Auburn's gotten rid of some position coaches. We know that this year. But you've got to find the right ones, and you've got to find some that are going to stick. And that's what Auburn's looking for. They're hoping that's the case with DJ Durkin, the new defensive coordinator for Auburn football, hired late last night from Hugh Freeze and this staff. We'll take our first break here in hour number one. We'll get to the phone lines when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Well, let's get to the phone lines here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line 334-321-1390. Jones, we appreciate you holding on through the break, man. What's up? What's going on, Jacob and Michaela? Yes, how are you, man? Michaela, yeah, she's with us for the first hour. She came back for a little bit before oh. she goes and takes a full-on adult job and leaves us forever. <laughs> Well, listen, I, you guys weren't even born, but uh, in the early 1980s, we lost a player during fall practice to yeah. Greg Pratt. Yeah. And Pat died, never caught any grief over it. Things happened, and very, very sad story. And I just hope that people, you know, people are going to attack Auburn because that's just the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. But a uh, year or two down the road, when we start kicking people's fanny uh, and the national media start giving Auburn, you know, just a little bit more credibility, if you will, and stop all the attacks, you know, we'll be fine. Uh, but, again, I think we got a great hire in this guy, and along with the Charles Kelly and the others and the offensive guy, Derek Nix, you know, Auburn's going to be a team to be reckoned with even next year. Yeah. No, I think you're, I think you're spot on. And, you know, I, I say this a lot of times, winning cures all, right? In this situation, it's different because I'm not saying, oh, if the guy just wins, then you should just forget about what happened. I'm not saying that at all. But I think we can all agree that years ago when that did happen at Maryland, a a super, super sad situation. But, I mean, as far as I know, all the 
all the research and investigations and everything took place, right? I mean, he lost his job over it, and understandably so, but like that's something in the past. And while we have to live with our past, no matter if it's a football coach or a radio host or whatever it is other people do, right? You have a past, but you can't you can't just let that live on forever. And and some people are gonna bring that up every time because they want to see you fail or they want to see your organization fail. And you know what? There's gonna be people like that with Auburn. That's just how it is. Exactly. Well, I want to hear Specter and Terry and and uh, Ed and, and John's comments about this also, if you don't mind. If they'll call in, I look forward to hearing their uh, their calls every day, especially Specter. And so, uh, thank you for the show, guys. It's wonderful. Yeah, we appreciate the call, Jones. 334-321-1390. Appreciate you calling in. Um, yeah, and, and again, Michaela, that's kind of what we were what we were alluding to. I mean, look, you could go in and you could – there's going to be people that never let this go. There are still people that will never let go of the fact that Auburn hired Hugh Freeze. There are Auburn fans that still will not let go of the fact that Auburn hired Hugh Freeze. But, look, it's college football. It's dirty everywhere. Mm. It's college athletics. It's dirty everywhere. And I'm not saying that everybody's had a player lose their life because on their team, but you get what I'm saying here. Like, everybody's got stuff that you, if you want to dig it up, you can find it. You can drill them for it. Right, and I think there's worse things that people have been hired that they have in their past than this, but yeah, that's just and for me. I'm, again, this is somebody that, they, the, a young man lost his life, yes. But it was on the field, in practice, in the summer, like, it was a freak thing. Like, I mean, yeah, he was getting worked, sure. I mean, I'm sure they were working very hard. But, yeah, I mean, it, there's egregious situations here, and this is something that happened quite a few years ago. He's coached other places since, of course, since Auburn hired him. It's going to be blown out of proportion. But you start looking at the guy as a coach, he can coach, mm-hmm. man. And he really, really can. And and I, I think it's a good hire now. How do people feel in comparison with the other names that were being thrown around, Chris Kiffin and Zach Arnett, and if it would have been Charles Kelly? I don't know, right? I think everybody has their their opinions on this, but you start looking at some of the coaches on the defensive side of the football. You still have Jeremy Garrett on defensive line. You've still got Josh Aldridge at linebackers. I mentioned his really, really good linebacker crew that's coming in this year. Like Really good things are happening and I think people are very very impressed with Hugh Freeze and most importantly Michaela I think Hugh Freeze is finally going to get his guys and we know how important that is mm-hmm. I'm excited to see him finally get his guys coming in and I think after I think he needed to take the season to kind of evaluate what his role is at the school what's going on here I always said like his first priority outside of recruiting in this offseason was go find coordinators that really work for the school and the system and I think he got to take this whole season to kind of figure it out Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people weren't happy with this season but I think you kind of needed this season as a reset to kind of figure it out and I think he's starting to figure out what pieces really fit into this program and I'm really excited to see what happens when his guys come in in the next few years yeah what'd you think about uh what'd you think about Cadillac being gone and after I almost cried when Cadillac when I saw that yeah I think a lot of people felt that way but I very much feel like I, I would love to see him go succeed and build up and build his own kind of legacy. And I think he will. And, and then you got Trevon Reed who got hired mm-hmm. at UCF the other day. I mean, some big Auburn names have, have left, right, and, and are gone and going to go. They're going to go do other things. Like, that's just how it goes. But, yeah, I think a lot of people had that reaction about, especially especially with Cadillac, with the special things he did here when he took over after the disaster of the uh, Brian Harson situation. 
Yes, I was definitely upset about it. I was working for athletics when he took over and got to see his first press conferences and after the game where he won and he came into the press conference room and he was soaking wet and I remember I was standing right next to him. He took off his shirt, his shoes and threw them right next to me and I will wow. I'll always remember about them. That's my favorite Cadillac memory, but yeah. I hope he goes on to thrive and always will wish him the best. I love that man yeah. so much. Yeah, I think he will. I think Etheridge will. And I think, look, I think Trevon Reed is a really good hire for mm-hmm. UCF and Gus Malzahn. And I don't think Trevon Reed wanted to leave, but I think it was he wanted an on-field spot. Auburn didn't have one, and UCF did. Right. And that's go, just how it goes. Go grow, and years down the line, you can always come back home. Bingo. There you go. That's exactly right. Well, lots of Auburn football talk here in hour number one. We got to talk some NFL when we come back. I've got to talk about it. We've been sitting on it for two days. We'll talk some NFL with former intern Michaela joining us for hour number one. Love to get your thoughts if you want to talk about the championship game, Super Bowl matchup. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Former intern Michaela, now adult graduate, going off, getting a big job, doing her own thing, going to Kansas of all places. Joining us in hour number one before she dips out of town. Are you ever coming back to Auburn? That's the real question. Are you ever going to come back or once you go out to Kansas, you're just going to fall in love with uh, the open cornfields in Kansas and just never come back? Yeah, I'm never coming back to this place. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you'll have to you will at some point you'll have to oh, come 100%. back when when uh when auburn hangs a, another final four banner you'll have to come back for well that. i have to see one iron bowl win in jordan hair in my lifetime at least at the yeah. very least because you've yet to do that the last two weren't great for me well i blame you since you were here you were here as a student and everything was fine so you know i blame myself too so hopefully <laughs> i'm gonna take one of the team i'm gonna go up to kansas and that's when kansas city's reign will start to decline well i'll do it for us yeah i'll do take, it for all the fans everywhere yes take one for the team i bring the bad luck with me well i don't know i well hope i mean there are some people that are hoping that happens uh when it comes to the super bowl which we have a super bowl matchup now and it's going to be a lot of fun it's kansas city chiefs san francisco 49ers and the script failed, so everybody's <laughs> fine with that. Taylor Swift is in the Super Bowl as well with her boyfriend, uh, possibly husband-to-be, Travis Kelsey, um, and the bro- the best of the brothers, Jason Kelsey, who took over a couple weeks ago in Buffalo, which was fantastic. That man oh, is amazing. Him. Yeah, that was, that was fantastic. I wish he got the ending he deserved as much as I do yeah. not like the Philadelphia Eagles. I wish he got his finale he deserved, but, you know, he's off to the Pro Bowl games or... Whatever, whatever that they, is. Whatever they do now. Whatever that is. But, you know. Yeah. Although, isn't it kind of crazy the last time this Super Bowl matchup happened, the world shut down three weeks later? Man, you really had to bring that up. Yes. Man. So, so, are, so are you predicting that the world shuts down again? I mean, I hope not. I can't live through that again. But no, that was pretty miserable. But, yeah, I forgot. And it's crazy that was, I mean, we're going on, what, four years oh, This now? feels like yesterday, but 
Yep, going on four years. That's so wild. Wow, that's so wild. Well, that was a fun Super Bowl. And I think this will be a fun Super Bowl too, but we got to kind of talk about how we got there, right? How did we get to this point? And me personally... I'm still butthurt. I'm still upset. I still think the Packers could be here. I think the Packers were playing well enough to get to Las Vegas. They just blew it against the Niners. They would have beaten the Lions in Detroit. They would be in the Super Bowl right now. I'm I'm very biased and very, very blinded, and I'm sticking with my guns here. I don't know about that, but I think you guys may have found your next franchise quarterback. So The system, the system keeps working. I think somehow. you've got plenty of years to come of good football yeah i mean youngest team to ever make the postseason well youngest team to ever get a win in the postseason obviously so no look i think the packers definitely blew it against the niners and then the lions turned around and they blew it to the niners so what's going to happen is kansas city going to go up by three scores and they're going to blow it to the niners we're going to find out i guess i just i don't know they're wearing their red jerseys the niners are wearing their white this happened the last Super Bowl and the Chiefs won. So it, it's really set up for them to win. But yeah, it is. How, how awesome would it be to see Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, win the Super Bowl? Come yeah. on. Eh. Eh. I'm all right. I'm okay. Do you think he... Uh, how about Lamar Jackson, too? How about Lamar Jackson? How about the catch that he threw to himself? Oh, that was, that that, was ridiculous. Ridiculous. As, as bad as that offense played that whole game, that will go down as one of the best things i've ever seen watching nfl football didn't they punt on that possession i'm pretty yes, sure they punted yep. it away yeah yeah they wasted like three, it but, <laughs> like three plays but you later. know what yeah giselle tom brady's husband always said he can't throw and catch the ball but she's been proven wrong you can do it you can it is humanly you can possible and if the if there's two guys that could do it it's pretty much lamar jackson and patrick mahomes and mm-hmm. it, it, it's just so crazy to me that lamar jackson as good as he is, he's probably going to win the MVP again. Yes. The narrative is still true. When the Ravens get to the playoffs, they just shut down. And I saw some stat, I think Greeny was talking about it on ESPN Radio, about how they just threw the ball a ton. They barely mm-hmm. run the ball when they got to the playoffs. And I don't really understand Which why they the did that. The weather was awful, if you could see yeah. the rain kind of coming down over there. So I don't know what the logic was there. but Yeah, I don't know either. And look, Lamar Jackson has proven me wrong. Um, he... I thought, you know, he when he came into the league, he was very exciting. Very, he was one of those just high-level quarterbacks, could run all over the place, could beat you with just crazy plays. And then he dipped down for a year or two, and I was like, all right, it's over. The hype's done, whatever, never works out. Here we are again, and he's right back up playing another MVP type of season. But MVPs only take you so far if you don't win Super Bowls. Just ask my old quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the guy won MVPs all the time. But You mean future NFL? MVP next Shoot. season? Yeah, you wish with the Jets. You wish. I don't if he ever well, I mean, I guess he's healthy. He said he could have played in the postseason or whatever if they got there, but um and he very well might win you another MVP. He's not gonna win you a Super Bowl because he's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback. But listen, we'll take a playoff appearance at this point. For the Jets, we're yeah. not picky. Yeah, I am. I'm very, very picky. But it, it it really is wild to me about Lamar Jackson, who again just he plays so well and then they get there and it's just like, mm-hmm. eh, well, we're done. And they just they just fold. They crumble. It's crazy. Yeah, and that's also props to that Kansas City defense, which I think has bailed them out of a lot of games this season and really carried them, which typically when I think of the Chiefs, I don't necessarily think of that side of the ball, but I think right. if you take Mahomes and Kelsey out of off that team, I don't even think they're playoff contenders. Which is fair, and you got to think too about Travis Kelsey, who... 
what, back half of the season was like non-existent, like just didn't do anything down the stretch in the last six or seven games. And then all of a sudden, Kansas City gets to the postseason. They're like, oh, yeah, we have Travis Kelsey, who is the best tight end in all of football. And he's been lighting it up since they got to the postseason. And here they are going to the Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes playing as good as ever. Yep. You can never bet against that man. You can't. You cannot bet against Patrick Mahomes. It's dumb. It's like betting against Tom Brady Mm -mm. back in the day. And I think he might actually surpass tom brady really yes you think so yes you think so are you taking them to win this year's super bowl i think i am too and it's crazy because san francisco is favored in the super bowl interesting they're favored as of right now last time i looked san francisco was favored in opening lines against kansas city um don't make kansas city the underdogs they always win i just think they're playing better football i think the niners had to come back against green bay they had to come back in a horrible coaching job in the second half by Dan Campbell of the Lions who I really do like I don't like the Lions because I'm a Packers guy but Dan Campbell's a likable guy he's easy to root for but I think you could see in that game you could see the the youngness I guess is the word I'm looking for maybe of the inexperience how about that the inexperience in the playoffs as a head coach because you got to kick that field goal you got to go up by three possessions the whole game flipped on its head right then and there. Right. And There's I said it. I knew it was going to happen. A lot of poor decisions made. But, yeah. And I think the thing with the Niners, this whole playoffs, they were kind of sneaking past every single game. There was no game where they were outright. I'm like, wow, this team looks like Super Bowl winners, contenders. Remember what the Ravens did to them on what, Christmas night or Christmas Eve or whenever it oh. was? I watched that game and I said, oh, the Ravens will go on to win the Super Bowl. And here we are. And it's the Niners playing in the Super Bowl when Brock Purdy went up against a legitimate defense and he threw, what, four or five interceptions Mm -hmm. that night? Like, it was horrible. And here they are. They've turned it around and have, I I think, legitimately have backed their way into the Super Bowl. Yep. And I don't know. I don't know if I can rely on Brock Purdy to lead this team to a Super Bowl win. This young, this early in his career. I mean... His story is still incredible. Will always be one that's talked about. Yeah. And I think it's kind of nice in the Niners' favor how much they pay him, which is a small, small amount that they can build up around him, which has kind of been working for them. Yeah. He was dropped into a great offensive system. I don't mm-hmm. think he would be getting this kind of hype on any other team. I don't think he would be able to carry any other team. But He's got a great you know, head coach, I'll give too. Him his, I'll give him his flowers. I can't hate on that. He's going to the Super Bowl, so... Yeah, I mean, it's hard to hate on a starting quarterback that's about to play in a Super Bowl as Mr. Irrelevant, which, if you didn't know that, they will remind you 50 times during the broadcast. They will make sure you know he was the last pick in the NFL draft. And look, I also think Brock Purdy's got a fantastic head coach. I think Kyle Shanahan's a really, really good coach. I think he works well with younger quarterbacks like this to get them confident and ready to go and play in big-time games. And so uh, we're going to find out. But no, give me... As of right now on Tuesday, my answer very well may change by the Super Bowl, but give me Kansas City easily. Give me Kansas City. I have to agree. Although I would love to see Christian McCaffrey get his ring, but... People forget about that. Yeah. I don't think it's happening. You don't think so? You were telling me this before. It's crazy to think that he's never played the Super Bowl. It's I forget that he was just at Carolina this whole time, and then now and here, here he is. It's his career almost died in Carolina. Because of how good he is, you assume... You, you just kind of associate players like that as on championship teams but it's crazy to think this is for a super bowl i think he's the real mvp of that team 
in oh, my for opinion. sure. Well, it's, I mean, think about not how the whole league. But yeah, well, think about how good they were, and then all of a sudden, just randomly, it's breaking news: Christian McCaffrey gets traded to the San Francisco 49ers, and it's like, what the heck just happened? Like, like what? It's it's unbelievable because everybody was like, how in the world do you trade away Christian McCaffrey if you're the Panthers? And look what happened: they traded and got Bryce Young. Good job, Panthers. <laughs> Great job. He won two games. He's terrible. Yeah, I don't see that working out long term. Mm, no, which I. Didn't think it was going to work out wherever Bryce Young went because no, he's small and, and he's a good quarterback, but he's not an NFL type of guy. And Panthers fans will be kicking themselves that they didn't get C.J. Stroud, who oh yeah might actually have the biggest storyline of this whole season. Yeah, forget. Yeah, got to give him a lot of credit too. I mean, he he played unbelievable. Took the Texans mm-hmm. to the playoffs. Come on now. I mean, a franchise that's oh been... they were worse than the Jets last year. Yeah, come on. Yeah, they've been pretty mediocre. It's, to it's teams like that that bad. give me hope, but. <laughs> Well, I mean, who would you rather have, C.J. Stroud or Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. I mean, we'll take them both. (laughs) Take them both. Hey, you had you had multiple quarterbacks. You guys blew it. Clearly, the system of drafting rookie quarterbacks to come sit over sit under Aaron Rodgers is working. He sat under Brett Favre. It's it works. So it works. You know, it's really feeling tempted. Yeah, tempting to take one of these quarterbacks, but. We got too many issues for that. That's fair. And uh, other news that we mentioned on the show the day after, the, a couple of days after it happened, but I know you've got some thoughts on this. Um, the news about Harbaugh leaving Michigan, going to L.A. He's going to be the Chargers' new head coach. Look, I don't think it was a surprise to anybody that he no. went to the NFL. I mean, it was a betting favorite for him to leave Michigan, even though I'm a Michigan man. Yeah, okay, whatever. You won a national championship, and now he's gone. And everybody knew he wanted to go back to the NFL. You like the fit for him out in L.A.? Yeah, I think that's a great fit for them. I don't I'm not necessarily a huge fan of him or anything by any means, but if I were a Chargers fan, I'd be super excited. I don't think they have any really kind of culture out there. I think it was a mistake to move them to LA in general, but I'm thinking like he can kind of breathe life into this team that they haven't previously had. So I think it was a good hire for them. It'll be interesting to see the Ravens play the Chargers next season yeah. in the regular season. So yeah. we'll Get to see that storyline, which will be super exciting. Harbaugh versus Harbaugh, which another reason I thought it would have been cool if the Ravens won to see both the brothers win in the same year. But yeah, I mean, it was really cool. What was that? Is that 2012? Is that when I was told? I think 2012 when they coached against each other in Mm -hmm. the Super Bowl, which is that's when the lights went out in NOLA, right? That's when uh, that's when that happened. And 12 years ago that they coached against each other, which is still a super cool storyline. But Mm -hmm. look, I mean. Harbaugh was always going to leave, even if he lost or won. Doesn't matter. He was always going to leave Michigan and go to the NFL. Everybody knew that's what he wanted to do. Um, I did have a weird suspicion that he would maybe hang around since he did win it and kind of go for it again. But, I mean, I don't know. You you did what you wanted to do. Your guys are going to the draft, though. You just won the national championship. Why not go try to take on a new challenge? That's how I feel about it. And I think he's a little nervous. It's looking like Ohio State's really loading up for next season. So, well, especially I mean, they're about to be <laughs> the Alabama of the that. North. Yeah, yeah, can't 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 wait to watch Ohio State be good Ooh. again and save Ryan Day's job because they just went in and, and <laughs> swiped everybody out of Tuscaloosa. Right, we're basically seeing Washington to Alabama, Alabama to Ohio State, and then Arizona to Washington is basically the yeah. what we're seeing in the transfer portal this season. So I mean that's how it goes. That's the that's the name of the game now. Auburn's gotten a couple of guys out of out of Alabama, but yeah, Ohio State, man, they they all of a sudden they just found all this NIL money. Isn't that crazy <laughs> how that happens? They just found all this money that they're gonna start paying these kids. You know, Ohio State will Ohio always Ohio State. If have you seen how many of the most recent NFL rookie of the years came out of Ohio State in the oh, last it's couple of years? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's insane. I, I would want to play there too. 
Yeah. I can't lie. Like, I mean, especially I if you're on the offensive side of the ball right now. Now like, that there's no more Saban, I would say this is the next best thing for me. They produce great guys in the NFL, so yeah. I can see why people go there. I think this may have, and I don't know, we're going to see, but I think this could have very well saved Ryan Day's job at Ohio oh, State. I thought he was done. After last season, they all hit the transfer portal right away. I said he's done, but... Now he's got the number one transfer portal player and number one recruit out of high school. So they have no excuse next season. Absolutely no excuse. Literally have no excuse. To have Michigan handle you for a third, fourth year in a row. Be the fourth year. Yeah, this was the third year in a row that Michigan beat Ohio State. And that's not cool. Like, that's not cool for Ohio State. I mean, it's the same thing, Auburn, Alabama. Like, it's not okay. And especially Mm -hmm. for for, for a rivalry, I put that in air quotes, because Ohio State dominated it for so long. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the big thing, too, is Ohio State, they did. They just handled Michigan. And all of a sudden, even they beat Harbaugh his first, like, three or four tries. And then all of a sudden... It flipped, and Harbaugh started dominating Ohio State. So if they don't get it turned around, here's Ohio State's schedule really quick for next year. Akron, Western Michigan, Marshall, woohoo, right? At Michigan State, home versus Iowa. Remember, got some new members in the Big Ten next year. They go to Eugene on Saturday, October 12th to take on Oregon and the Ducks. They host Nebraska at Penn State on Saturday, November 2nd. Home versus Purdue at Northwestern. Home versus Indiana. And home versus Michigan. So, at Penn State, at Oregon, at Michigan State. That's I what see Ohio an undefeated State has. season. Undefeated season. Wow. But hmm. let's manifest this energy down here. Michigan flip into more the Ohio State side. Alabama starts to decline and we, there you we go. become. There you go. I like that. I like that. We got to take our final break here in hour number one. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Michaela with us for hour number one. Double D. Daryl Dapperge will be with us in hour number two. Come on in and be a part of it here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We appreciate you being here on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins. Got a couple of minutes here to wrap up the first hour. And uh, former intern Michaela with us for the next couple of minutes. And uh, we appreciate you coming by. This has been a lot of fun. I know you uh, have been... I don't know what you've been doing since you graduated. You're in the adult world now. You you know you're about to start paying bills and doing all that fun stuff. So it's it's great. <sighs> don't adult life me. is fun. It's awesome. We love it. So and we know the journalists pay over here. Oh it's yeah, a struggle. Yeah yeah so. yeah yeah. Sports media, man. It's uh, it's where the money is. That's what they say. So um, no, we're we're happy for you and excited for you to be going off to Kansas uh, to be working in in television out there and and hope all the best for you. And yeah, take some of that uh, take some of that bad mojo you've got and just <laughs> sprinkle it on Kansas City for us if you would, and and at least make the Super Bowl interesting. Well, at least, you know, there's another top 10 basketball program up there. Maybe they'll start yeah. to be bad, and that'll, that'll help us down here. Oh, if you can make Kansas basketball bad, then we're <laughs> on to something. Then we're on to something because Kansas, I mean, we know how good Kansas is, but um, you, you just never know. So we need you to do that for us, if you would. With a couple of minutes, want to talk about something really quickly. A story that came out today on ESPN about Tennessee being under investigation for NIL violations shocker and i'm not saying shocker because it's tennessee i'm saying shocker in a very sarcastic tone because 
there's a school that's in trouble for NIL violations because they didn't do it the correct way. What? No way, right? No way there's a school or a program that would mishandle NIL money with student athletes, right? No possible way that's a thing. Let's not act like this is going on everywhere else. Like I'm sick of, <laughs> I'm sick of hearing about NIL. It's like when it's when it wasn't instated there was issues and now it is and there's still issues. I'm sick of the word NIL if I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, the big thing that gets me is is getting NIL and NLI switched. Yeah. Those like we got to find a different way to say that. But and nothing's going to happen. What what is what are they going to do to Tennessee? Slap Say, on the wrist. I mean, look at what they did with Michigan. Not that that was an NIL violation, but like, right. Well, there's a lot of people on. saying that maybe Michigan still has a lot more coming, and maybe that's why Harbaugh dipped out of town. He said, Ohio State's good. We won a natty. They're about to come down on us hard. See you later. Now it doesn't matter. You've won the national championship anyway. So, yeah. But and if, even if they were to down the line strip that, I'm a very much big believer that you still want it. You can take our banner. I don't care. We want it. Well, so there you go. whatever. It, this will blow by in a few days, in my opinion. I, I can't imagine it's that deep. But Well, if if the NCAA has anything to say about it, it'll be a couple of years. They'll, they'll wait like four yeah. years, and then they'll say, oh, yeah, hey, remember that headline we had back in 2024? Yeah, here's what yeah. we found. Like We'll that's be old just, and be like, oh, I, for, I forgot about that. They'll be like, Who yeah, cares? <laughs> Tennessee actually gave somebody an extra $5,000, so uh, we're going to suspend their program for the next two years. Like I don't know, but I, I'm with you. I mean... Let's just be real here for a second, right? It's all messy. It's all complicated. It's nobody, no program is doing it 100% by the book. I mean, that's just, that's not how college athletics works. That's just not how it goes. And if you believe that it is, you need to be humbled. You're wrong. No, let's open an investigation on every school across the country. Come on. Yeah, good luck with that. Well, Michaela, thanks so much for stopping by. We appreciate it. Uh, We'll be talking off air, keeping up with you, but we appreciate you coming by. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Well, good luck to you. Good luck to everything that you have going on. And, uh, of course, we'll we'll keep up with you here on the show. Hour number one is in the books. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. Hour number two coming up. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. This is a Tuesday edition of On the Line as we get you underway here in hour number two on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 1067. If you missed any of hour number one, I had a lot of fun. We had a former intern, Michaela, joined us in the studio uh, talking all things Auburn athletics, talk some NFL as well. Got to kind of recap the championship games for the conference championships this past weekend, kind of preview the Super Bowl a little bit Uh, so it was good to have her back in the studio as a co-host for the whole hour so that was a lot of fun and so if you missed any of that uh, you can find it on the podcast later on today after the show you can just search on the line wherever you get your podcast or you can go to ESPNAU.com we'll upload that for you right after the show coming up here in hour number two We'll have some uh, recording with Daryl Dapperts. We'll have an interview with him. Uh, we actually, you know, we were we were going to play it this afternoon. We are. We recorded it yesterday. Um, but we recorded it yesterday afternoon because it couldn't be live with us. And some of the interview had defensive coordinator talk. Well, that news broke last night. So we still got good basketball and baseball conversation with Daryl. So I'll have that for you later on in the show today. But until then, phone lines are open. Give me a call. What's on your mind? Would love to hear from you. New intern John over running the board answering phones. He is waiting for you. 334-321-1390. Talking DJ Durkin. Talking a little basketball. I uh, got some new uh, Hudden rankings. Jack Hudden, our good friend who does a lot of analytics stuff. Uh, has got us a new kind of a bracket to look at for for college basketball so we'll take a look at that here in hour number two and then like I said we'll have double D Daryl Dappert with us here as well but again you can call in for the next 30 minutes or so 334-321-1390 and you know we were talking about in the first hour and the big news today is the hiring of DJ Durkin for Auburn football on the defensive side and, and there's so much controversy here because so many people are excited about this so many people are scared about this or worried about this or upset about this right and we had a big conversation yesterday about what was taking Auburn so long and while it wasn't life ending or you know groundbreaking news that Auburn hadn't hired somebody yet it would just it was bringing up some concern on on my part and on Uncle T-Bone yesterday and a lot of the Auburn fans and a lot of our media friends were kind of in the same boat of like, man, what's what's taking so long? What's the holdup here? Was it an Auburn problem? Was it a coach problem? Was it a uh, personality problem? What, what was the case there, right? And it wasn't so important that it's got to be made right now. We're losing, losing hours with this program. No, it didn't have anything to do with that. It was, okay, what's happening? Why is this not happening? Is there something going on behind the scenes and look to be completely honest with you I think there was some pushback when it came to DJ Durkin I really do I think there was pushback from within the building I think there was some pushback with those people that are outside but over the program right I think there may have been some concern there and rightfully so right rightfully so with the with the past of DJ Durkin and that's okay, that's understandable, but at some point, we've got to move on, right? At some point, you have to understand that this guy's got a little bit of something in his past, but we've moved on. He's coached at multiple places since then. He interviewed with Nick Saban in Alabama since then, 
And now he's being hired at Auburn. He's been around the SEC numerous times before he got hired here, right? That situation at Maryland didn't happen yesterday, and Auburn hired him today. That's not what happened here. And you've got to believe in second chances and better opportunities and moving on from something that was somewhat out of your control and just a freak accident and horrible situation. And so I want to talk about this hire and DJ Durkin for the coach that he is, for what he can bring to Auburn. Because guess what? That's the conversation we had about Hugh Freeze when he was hired here, right? We didn't talk about what had happened in the past because that wasn't at Auburn. That didn't impact what he was going to do here at Auburn. And I said this in the first hour. And look, there are still Auburn fans that are not happy that Hugh Freeze is here. There are a bunch of SEC fans that are very critical of Auburn hiring Hugh Freeze, and that's fine. And that's going to be the same situation with DJ Durkin. Of course, not on the, the as big of scale, I guess, but... I mean, I just, I think you have to judge this situation from who the coach is, what the potential that he brings to Auburn, and how he can make this program better. And that's what we've talked about, and that's what we will continue to talk about as we get further into the offseason. Let's get to the phone lines here in hour number two, 334-321-1390. And Uncle Ollie, you're on the line, man. What's up? Good afternoon, Jacob. How are you? I'm good, man. Appreciate you calling in. Yeah, I'm going to give you my take on Durkin. Okay. I, I don't think it was – here's what I think actually happened. I think Durkin wanted the Auburn job. Uh, he'd been offered the Missouri job twice. And uh, I think he was sitting on hold because I think uh, Freeze's first choice was uh, Chris Kiffin. And I think Chris Kiffin asked him, can you just – give me a chance to see what my options are going to be in the NFL. And then I hear today that he is uh, being considered as the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins. So I think probably there was a conversation yesterday. He said, hey, I I think I'm going to stay. There's a chance I'm going to get a job as a coordinator with the Dolphins. And so Freeze was like, that's all I needed to know. Time to move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know there was there was a lot of that with Kiffin, of course, coaching in the NFL and kind of waiting for waiting for the postseason to wrap up for the Texans, and then yeah, I mean there were there were multiple you know sayings about him looking around the NFL, and rightfully so, right? I mean, I think he's a very very good coach, is Chris Kiffin, and and I think he had those opportunities, and I don't blame him for weighing all of the options, but I also think in in a certain aspect from Hugh Freeze and for Auburn, it's like, look, man, do you want to be here or not? Right? Do you want to come coach yeah. here? Do you want this job or not? Because we're not, we don't have time to mess around anymore. We don't have time to play around and we've got to get a guy in here. And more importantly, in my opinion, Uncle Ali, we want somebody that wants to be here. And I guarantee well, you that DJ Durkin wants to be here. Absolutely. And I'll say this. Why would anybody in their right mind want to come from the NFL to the college ranks? In the NFL, you're working your tail off for six months and not having to deal with NIL and recruiting and all this. Why would you want to jump from that to 365-day grind? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's a really, really good point, especially for yeah somebody going from the NFL back to the college game like that. That's a really, really tough adjustment to make. I mean, that's not a very popular jump. I mean, you see so many head coaches and coordinators, yeah, making the jump from college to the NFL because up there you're coaching. You are a coach. You are coaching. That's all you do, right? And now in college, we know how it is. It is you're doing everything under the sun, and as you said, it's a 365-day grind. That's all right. All right, man. Well, you have a good day. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate the call, Uncle Ali. 334-321-1390. And that's a really good point, too, right, about Chris Kiffin is why would you? That's a great question. Why would you, if you have the opportunity, right, as an NFL head coach, coordinator, position coach, trainer, I don't care, right? Why would you go from the NFL where you can make a lot of money, be on the biggest stage with the biggest players on the biggest league on the planet, right? Why would you go from that where your job is not easy, but your job is simple? You coach, you make them better, and you win ballgames. That's your job. Why would you go from that to the college game where you now have to step in and say, hope you don't like off days, hope you don't know what a holiday is, hope you don't want to see your wife and kids, hope you don't have grandkids, because you're not going to see them anymore. That that family life, we don't have time for that. You're going to come in here, we got to recruit today, we got to recruit tomorrow, we got to coach, we got workouts, we got practice coming up on Friday, oh yeah, scrimmage Saturday, we're going to make a trip on Sunday down to Mobile. Then we got to come back on Monday because we have practice that afternoon. I need you to make these phone calls. I need you to take these guys in the weight room. I need you to come back out for practice Tuesday. We're going to leave at 12.05 and hit get on the plane to go recruit this guy in South Carolina. Like, what? The, the coaching life in college right now is unbelievable. And so, sure, I'm sure Chris Kiffin probably looked at that and said, eh, I don't know about all that. And he had interest from the NFL, and, and sure, I think that's probably why this took a little bit longer. And eventually, as I told Uncle Ali, and I believe this, I think if you're Auburn or any college football program, you same way you do with recruiting and players, you've got to have the same mentality as a coach. You want to bring guys in that want to be here. And Chris Kiffin may have very well wanted to be here. But he had other options, had other opportunities. And he was weighing all of those out. And believe me, Hugh Freeze and this staff understood they had to get a defensive coordinator. They had to get one. And they had to get him soon. The longer you wait, the worse it gets. Right? You've got workouts coming up. You've got workouts going on right now. Workouts happening right now. Spring practice coming up. You've got to get this guy in the building Whoever it was going to be, of course, now it is DJ Durkin. Get him in the building. Get him accustomed. Get him start to learning the guys. Like, all of that takes time. Do we understand that? Do we understand that all of that takes time? Got to get him moved. Got to get him here and his family here. Get in the building. Learn the players. Learn the staff. Learn the ins and outs of the everyday life. Start learning the defense. Start drawing up your own defense and get ready for spring ball. Like, we're two months out, give or take, from the A-Day game. All of those things take time. And so, sure, while Auburn was definitely more worried about the 
offensive coordinator and the offensive side of things and, and kind of making some moves on that side of the ball, they still had to go get this guy. And I like DJ Durkin. I do. I like him as a coach. I think his scheme is really good. He is very well respected for his defensive mind and how he works his defenses around his best players. That defensive line at Texas A&M was very, very good. Top 20 defense in all of college football last year, ranked at number 19. I'm cool with that. Bring him in. Not only can he coach, he can recruit. Just like everybody else can on this staff, which is what Auburn needs. But I really like him for his coaching ability. And again, he's very well respected. And this is not his first gig in the SEC. This is not his first time being a D.C. He's leaving from Texas A&M. He was at Ole Miss. He's been places in this conference. He's coached at the highest level when it comes to college football. He's been a head coach. He's been coordinators. He knows what to do. He knows what it takes. And I think he can be really good here. And so we're going to find out. We're going to see. And I'll be honest with you, it's very easy, especially with a platform like this, to get super excited, super hyped up about a coordinator. Oh, this guy's going to be great. Can't wait. This guy's going to be, he's going to be the next great thing for Auburn. I hope so. I very well hope so. And he very well could be. But I do think it is sort of a wait and see type of thing. You can like him. You cannot like him. You can agree with the hire. You can disagree with the hire. But I think what I want to see is development of players, improvement on the defense, pressure on the quarterback, and use your players to your advantage. Because Auburn's got some serious talent on the defensive side of the football. Guys that are coming back, guys that are coming in, transfers that are coming in. You have some serious dudes on that side. And I think I think that Auburn can take advantage of that with a guy like DJ Durkin who can make players better, improve players, make them better in college football. You have to have that. If Auburn can do that with DJ Durkin, they're going to be in a good spot and this will be a great hire. And if not, this will be another hire where Auburn brings a guy in, he's here for a year or two, and things don't really get better, and you'll be looking for a new one. But this is somebody that DJ Durkin wanted. Or, excuse me, this is a guy that Hugh Freeze wanted. And it was DJ Durkin. He was in that final list. He was in the final pairing. And this is somebody he wanted. And we're going to see how it'll work out. 334-321-1390. We're going to get to the phone lines when we come back. We'll talk a little college basketball as well before we get to Daryl Dapperich. All coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com, or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get to the phone lines once again here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. And we got Jumpin' Jack Hutton with us on the phone lines. What's up, buddy? How are you, man? Hey, man. What's going on? Uh, Another great day in the Auburn area. Came in to uh, talk Talk a little basketball. Well, that's a good break. We've talked a lot of football today. And uh, we're talking basketball because for folks that don't know, uh, you you create your own bracketology, basically. And I don't know if that if that term is is like is um 
is is coined by ESPN and they've got that like marked and you can't use that but basically you use a bunch of analytics and you create your own bracket based off the analytics and you update it each and every week and so with college basketball as crazy as it's been kind of give us some updates what do you use for this and kind of where where does everybody stand right now Sure. So the metric was designed uh, in place of um, a net ranking that you'll hear a lot about. Um, you'll also hear uh, about a Ken Palm ranking, which is, is meant to kind of take everything into account from what they, how a team does in efficiency. And so you hear a lot about offensive and defensive efficiency. And really that's just a fancy word for how good they are at offense and how good they are at defense compared to the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of different ways that that can be calculated, um, not to get too much into the nerd speak there, but you can use um, comparisons and just just comparison analysis and stuff like that. Right. Um, And so what I've done is essentially taken all those metrics and said, okay, let's, what would it be if we combined everything together and, uh, and, and, put it in a computer and spit it out. What would it give us? Um, and that's where you get the what I call the HUD rankings, H-U-D. The HUD um, rankings, so, love it. Yeah, the HUD rankings, there you go. Um, but it's, it's, it's essentially a conglomeration of all these rankings, of all these metrics uh, piled into one thing, and it's, and it's really telling for uh, what the voters think about the, the teams, but also what the analytics think about the teams. Right, and, and I think that's a good combination because, I mean, ultimately that's what that's what happens with the NCAA Tournament Committee, right? They they get together in a room and they put together the numbers, the rankings, and obviously eye test and what they think, and, and they seed them up. And so you do you have the numbers compared to last year and what, what your model did compared to what actually happened with the NCAA Tournament? Yes, we do. Uh, so the model last year actually only missed one team um, and I believe it was I believe it was TCU that it missed last year. So um, you know it's an it's an interesting model that uh, you know there's teams that are right on the bubble um, that sometimes it'll miss. But but last year, yeah, we were able to to almost predict it uh, pretty correctly. Uh, now seeding is of course a different thing where you know that that's based a lot more on. Um, generalities in conferences, you know, so if, if, if a team's from this conference, they're not going to get above a certain seed. Um, but that team may have a little bit more, to use the words of, of Ken Palm, offensive or defensive efficiency than mm-hmm. another team. And so there's just a lot of subjectivity behind some of that stuff. Um, so, but yeah, last year it was, I think, I think we missed one team in the tournament. Okay. Okay. And didn't TCU like slide in at the very end or something? Yes, yeah, I think, and I can't remember who we had slotted in above them. Yeah, um, but uh, whoever it was made it in above them. We uh, we we had them slotted out. Okay, well, the important question is where is Auburn and uh, other SEC teams, and, and you know. This I assume, and obviously this is going to change week by week, game by game, because that's how all the metrics work, right? Wins, losses, points, all that type of stuff. And so where's Auburn right now? Uh, where are some other SEC teams, and kind of where do you see this thing playing out over the next few weeks? Right, so first to, to answer the where is Auburn question here, um, I've actually got Auburn at ninth in my rankings, ninth overall in the country. And that kind of matches up with a lot of the things that you're seeing. So you'll see uh, at Ken Palm right now, Auburn is number seven um, in, in something else called the ELO rankings, which is 
um, a, kind of an older metric system that you use to, to justify teams and, and how they play against each other. Uh, Auburn's at eight in that one. You've got a net ranking where Auburn's nine. And then you've got the AP poll where Auburn's dropped all the way down to 16th. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, about that 9-10 mark is, is kind of, that's not necessarily in the middle of all of those, but it's, it's where you would expect that to fall if you're leaning a little bit more towards the analytics part of things. Um, as the number nine seed, um, or as the, as the number nine team in the country, you're picking up about a three seed. And so um, that's where I've got Auburn as of right now on that three seed line. Now, that's not necessarily projecting ahead or anything. Uh, that would just be if the season ended today. But uh, Auburn's on that nine that nine spot right now, and they're on that three seed line. You know, looking around the rest of the SEC, Tennessee is actually slotted up into the the top four. So uh, I, I've got Tennessee as a one seed if the season were to end today. Um, interesting enough, and I know this won't be very popular to a large majority of fans around this area, but Alabama comes in at number seven in the country. This this mm. team is, is a team that the analytics just love uh, Alabama from an offensive efficiency standpoint, um, and they play good enough defense to justify it. So Alabama does slot in right above Auburn, and I think that's going to, uh, you know, that may turn some people off to it, but um, I would, I got to point back to my numbers if I, if I get down into the, uh, into the weeds of this thing. Yeah. And then uh, just one last interesting tidbit here, actually Kentucky, uh, who, you know, pretty routinely up in the top 15, top 10, down at number 25 in this week's rankings and wow. in the HUD rankings. So a uh, little bit of a disparity there between the polls. Okay, well, interesting. And look, there is there's a lot to a lot more basketball to be played. I say that all the time when looking at other you know tournament predictions. As of right now, what is it, January thirtieth? So we still have the entire month of February and half the month of March. So, uh, Jack, we appreciate that, man, and uh, we'll keep up. You tweeted at me on, or uh, I posted at me on X, whatever you want to call it, right? You tweeted at it uh, on X, and we'll continue to to plug that. We'll maybe talk some more about that tomorrow with Uncle T Bone as uh, Auburn to be playing Vanderbilt tomorrow night. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, and just to kind of go over a, a couple more um, interesting notes here at the end, you know, everybody talks about who's on the bubble and who's, um, you know, one of the first four out or maybe the last four buys. Both Texas A&M and Ole Miss down at the first four out for the SEC. Um, so those are two teams that, you know, Auburn's got wins over so far that you're you're hoping can slide into that, that tournament line, and then you got a couple of wins over tournaments. Um, so there's a lot of teams down there that Auburn has played, that Auburn has beaten, that's, that's hoping that they can slide into the tournament line um, and give them some good wins down the stretch. So it's just it's another tool. It's, it's a fun tool. Um, I think in a lot of ways, you know, Auburn fans can look and, and see, like I think, for instance, Auburn's got a matchup with Akron uh, in this bracketology that I've got right now. And so um, just a, an interesting tool that would be an opponent that Auburn doesn't really get very often. Um, you know, your second round match M would be against a Utah State team that's playing really well right now if the 6 11 seed holds. And so, um, just a, a fun metric that I like putting out that, uh, you know, other people work out in the mornings. I plug numbers into spreadsheets. <laughs> well, there you go, man. Well, hey, man, we appreciate it. I always enjoy having you on the show. Jack Hutton, a host of After the Game over on Wings 94 3, voice of Auburn High School basketball and softball as well. Man, we appreciate your time, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Check everything out at, at JackHudson12 on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, love to everybody to be a part of the action on game day on wings and after the game. Um, also got some Auburn High basketball 
ending out their regular season tonight should be a fun one. Awesome, man. We appreciate the time. That's Jack Cutton joining us on the phone lines. And look, go check out his analytics, man, at Jack Cutton 12 on Twitter. It, it's too smart for me. I don't understand it. I just know the numbers. I know the teams, and I know their rankings. I don't know all the metrics back behind it. Um, and so uh, he does a great job. Go check that out. We'll talk some more about that, especially as we get closer to Selection Sunday, right? We're like a month and a half away. It's crazy. We'll talk some more basketball and baseball with Daryl Dappert's Double D. He'll join us when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Don't go anywhere. Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7, I'm Jacob Goins with you on the Auburn Opelika sports leader. And joining us as he does every single Tuesday in hour number two, it's Double D, Daryl Dapperich with us on the phone lines. Daryl, happy Tuesday. Hope you're doing well, man. We appreciate you joining us as always. Happy Tuesday, my man. One day closer to the weekend. So, That's yeah, right. Ready, getting ready for some basketball tomorrow night. So we got some good things going on this week. Yeah, well, Auburn basketball, as you mentioned, playing tomorrow night, hosting Vanderbilt um, in what is, has been tagged by me and a lot of people as a get-right game. And we're going to talk about that on the show today. But the reason it's a get-right game, Daryl, is because the last time we talked to you, Auburn was doing great. Everything was fine, undefeated in the SEC. They were, you know, they were going to go and win it all, make a run to the Final Four, and now they've lost two in a row, still yet to win a quad one game, and with losses to Alabama and Mississippi State back-to-back on the road, man. Make it make sense for us. Well, I thought that Auburn would get a split. I really felt like this whole, that last week was, you know, going to be difficult. It was going to be Auburn's really, really first true road test playing it in Coleman um, and then having to go to the hump. I mean, there's just back-to-back. Those are tough. Those are tough road trips. Mississippi State, kind of a bad matchup for Auburn. Um, I felt like Auburn was going to get Alabama's best, and that's exactly what happened. But I thought Auburn would come out of that with a split. I'm disappointed that the perception is they let one loss, that one loss against Alabama Wednesday night, become two because there was a residual effect from a shooting standpoint uh there was a hangover and you know Auburn cannot shoot it that way I, I know that defense travels but I kind of agree with Ben Taylor who I was on with Monday morning that you cannot shoot it well on the road and still get a victory mm-hmm. if you guard real well if you hold the opponent to a you know less than stellar shooting percentage and if you rebound the basketball Auburn lost both of those games not because they didn't shoot it well but because they gave up way, way too many second chance points, second chance points on offensive rebounds, and got slaughtered on the boards in both games. So that's a losing formula. That's disappointing. Um, I thought Auburn usually, you know, part of defense besides guarding and extending and getting out on in passing lanes and that kind of thing is rebound. And Auburn just really came up short on that side of the ledger in both those games. Yeah, the the Mississippi State game for me, like that was a concern because of how well they do rebound with guys like Tolu Smith and, and how physical they play. But 
Daryl, Alabama doesn't have a big guy. Like Auburn, Auburn should have dominated them rebounding and scoring inside. And, and for whatever reason, that just wasn't the case. Yeah, I think that Auburn was just, you know, trying to get out in transition a lot um, from, a, from a defensive rebounding standpoint. Is, you know, that's such a big part of their game is grabbing it and going. And I think they felt like they had a decided advantage doing that. And so when you, you know, are looking to grab the rebound and you're not using proper technique and boxing out like you should and finding your man and you're looking to run up court and go get, get numbers the other way, it, you let people leak in on the backside and come be, come behind you. And, and, and Nelson was doing that and some of the, the Alabama bigs. Now, you mentioned it, the, the advantage was there down low. And that's the most frustrating part is that Broom and Williams if Williams would have showed up, it would have just been a whole different story as far as feasting down low. But Auburn continues that trend that is so disappointing that even when they're shooting it poorly, they keep shooting it. Yeah. When you miss 23s against Alabama and I think 16 threes against Mississippi State, at some point you got to adjust and go, you know what? And especially if you're getting what you want inside, mm-hmm. go with what works. And if you do that, they could have won the ball game and both ball games. But again, you know, Bruce Pearl finally addressing that in the press conference saying, I wish some of our guys that aren't hot and aren't hitting shots and need to learn when they're struggling to quit shooting. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about a quote like that? What, what now? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm saying, how do you, how do you feel about a quote like that from the head coach? Well, I think it's long overdue. I think that Bruce, one of the things that people praise Bruce Pearl about the national uh, announcers and when people come in to do a game at Auburn, they talk about freedom and liberty that these kids have to shoot the basketball and shoot their way out of it. He's not going to yank you if you miss shots. He's not going to tell you to quit shooting. At some point, I think you need to. I think at some point you need to call timeout and say, look, we are eating inside. We are feasting down low. Quit shooting threes. If you do, you're coming over here and sitting with me. Mm-hmm. At some point, you have to rein that in. And so I'm glad he kind of sent a message to his team through the media on that because it was it's much needed. It's it's too much of a dangerous trend. Twenty threes is way, way too many to miss. If you're a team that lives and dies by the three and that's the only way you can win, that's one thing. But when you're not and you have a guy you have one of the best front courts in the SEC and Jalen Williams and Janai Broom, it, it makes no sense to go away from your strengths. And that's frustrating. Yeah, no, I'm I'm hundred percent with you on that. And and you bring up a guy like Jalen Williams who, I mean, the biggest what-if, right? I mean, one of the biggest what-ifs in college basketball because if Jalen Williams plays aggressive and with an alpha mentality and I'm just going to be the best player on the floor, he's going to win Auburn games. He's going to go off for 25 points. He's going to have 9 or 10 rebounds. He's going to just be that dude, but then... He gets thrown off his game. He, he kind of scampers around, looks like a lost puppy dog. He'll go off for seven or eight points, and he really won't have that much of an impact. I just have not seen a player like that in a long, long time, Daryl, where the the ceiling is just literally the best player on the floor, and then other times, he's just non-existent. You know, last year and the year before, there would be halves, first half, where Jalen Williams would just go off, yeah, and then he would disappear. And I felt like he was over that hump. I felt like he was putting tasks together during this season. He was finishing. He was the best player on the floor. He was, he was getting it. He was realizing what his role was and how important he was to Auburn winning basketball games. And then on the road, two games in a row, 
you know, he goes AWOL. And, you know, you hope this isn't sustained. But, of course, if you play Vanderbilt on a Wednesday night, the place will be rocking. Of course, he'll show up and have a good – but he needs to do that on the road. He needs to be that guy that when the, when the team needs a basket or they need a run, he needs to get a little bit hot and not disappear. And the trend the last two games has been very concerning. Well, why? I mean, for for somebody like yourself who's been around sports for for a long, long time, and you're you're just so knowledgeable. I mean, do you have an explanation? Because I can't find one. I can't. I can't find why sometimes he's great, sometimes he's not, and it just turns it off and on. And like you said, sometimes it's in the middle of the game, man. I just don't understand it. I don't know if it's you know. I would imagine that sometimes you have to force that if you're the head coach. He may just have that DNA or that mental aptitude where he just you know, he's very unselfish, and so he may not just have that that capability to say, I'm taking this game over, you know, I, I, I'm taking it over. He may not have that in him, and at, at some point as a head coach, you got to bring it out, and you got to try to bring it out, and that may be running set plays for him, having him come off ball screens, freeing him in the lane with curling action to where he gets that little run or something, or you, mm-hmm. you pull him aside, you know, I remember watching some really, really good Arizona teams throughout the years when I was in high school and I was in college. And any of the teams that, that really went far, Lute Olson was a master at knowing what buttons to push with certain players when he felt like they were, they had more to give. He would pull them aside and he would get on them and say, you know, we're not going to win this game unless you start to get going, unless you get us on your back. Whether it's Steve Kerr, Sean Elliott, some of those guys. I think that Bruce Pearl needs to do that more. Broom has had stretches during this year where he's disappeared for long stretches. You know, there was a couple of games where people were concerned about Broom. Mm-hmm. So when you've got a front court as good as Auburn has and, and, and is going to be key into getting where getting you where you want to go in March, you just have to lean on them and get them going. And I don't know, it's, it's, it is a mystery. It may just be a DNA thing. He, he just may not feel like, He's that dude and has that alpha, but at some point it's got to click. And if you're Bruce Pearl, you have to kind of, I think, force the narrative on that. Daryl Dapperts joining us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. You can find him on Locked on Auburn on Fridays. Also, post-game shows with Zach Blackerby on Locked on Auburn on their YouTube channel. Daryl, which loss, I've seen many different takes on this, which loss this past week is more disappointing, and then we're going to talk about the Vanderbilt game and beyond with Ole Miss this weekend. Which one's more disappointing, the Alabama loss on Wednesday, the first SEC loss of the year, or the chance to bounce back against Mississippi State and unable to do so? You know, I think it's the chance to bounce back. I think, you know, Alabama's a good basketball team. You're going in and playing them at their in their arena. It was their, you know, they had a full house. People were waiting and playing in the weeds for that game. You know, Auburn had its chances, but, you know, Alabama shot it so well in the first half. Um, I think when you're down 14 like that, just to expend that much energy to, to take the lead late in the game, the game, the Saturday game against Mississippi State's the one because I don't think Mississippi State's as good as Alabama. I think I don't think that you know the, the law of averages say that you're not going to shoot it as poorly, you're not going to rebound it as poorly. Your guards aren't going to go AWOL. Jalen Williams isn't going to have two bad games in a row, and yet every single stinking one of those things happen. I mean, you you could have got the money line in Vegas to. to, to 
throw out that scenario, people would have laughed at you. Yeah. No way I would have thought Auburn would have shot at that poorly, rebounded that poorly, the guards would have shot at this poorly, and Jay Will would have had two bad games in a row. Two of those four, if they don't happen, Auburn wins that basketball game. So that's why I think that's the most disappointing because everything that had to go wrong for Auburn, you know, a game 21-21 at halftime, I mean, you just – that's just offensive ineptitude, mm. and I didn't see that coming. And, you know, Alabama, you dug a hole, you got down 14, but, man, you made a – you came roaring back. Mississippi State, you didn't show that kind of fight. It just didn't seem the same. And so that's disappointing. I know there were some, you know, some, some disciplinary things. A couple guys didn't start for breaking rules, team rules violations. You wonder how that affected the flow and the chemistry of the game when the starting lineups weren't out. So I think that's probably the most disappointing for me. Auburn has a chance to uh, to bounce back once again. Uh, they have Vanderbilt coming in on Wednesday. That'll be tomorrow in Neville Arena. Late night tip once again. I'm so sorry, Daryl. I know you. Uh, I know you love those eight o'clock tips. <laughs> they are <laughs> brutal. But if they win, it's fine. There you, you know, go. You're on that high, and you're okay. You're ready to roll and bask in the glow of, that, of the victories. But you know, Vanderbilt not a very good basketball team, uh, especially. I mean, even a. They're not very good at home this year. Then on the road, they're even more atrocious. So I think I think Auburn should be able to get what it wants Wednesday night, have a good bounce-back, feel-good game, get back on the winning side of things. But then, you know, go ahead and build off that and go into Ole Miss and try to snatch a victory on the road, too, and have a 2-0 weekend. Because, or 2-0 week. Because if you can do that, I think you get back in the top 10 and or possibly at least at least the very least the top 12 and you start to get some momentum rolling again with Alabama coming into town, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about next week, the following Wednesday. So I just think it's a big week. I really do. I think the Wednesday game, just because you want to worry about Auburn and get some things fixed with Auburn, getting some good momentum built, maybe the guards can hit some shots and have some contribution offensively. Because here's the deal. I think wherever you want, wherever you want to go in March, to get there, you're going to have to get better guard play from a scoring the basketball standpoint. They're doing fine with you know, distributing the basketball and assist to turnover and all that, but Holloway and Denver Jones and Trey Donaldson and KD have to score more. They have to be a threat because if they're not, coaches will see that on film. Defenses will start to sag. They'll pack it in low, and they'll dare you to shoot, and they'll take away Williams and Broom and Chad Baker-Mazzara and that's going to be a problem. I think if we're, we're Auburn, if they want to get where they want to go in the postseason in March, the guards are going to have to be a better scoring option. And, Daryl, we've got uh, – it's crazy. I saw this the other day. We're just a couple of weeks from Auburn baseball starting up. Yeah. I mean, I oh, mean, yeah. think, about how, think about how crazy that is. What uh, You got anything that you can talk to us about when it comes to the baseball side of things? I know it's early and they're just now getting some practices in. But, man, I think there's a lot of potential with this Auburn baseball team, huh? Well, I like the fact that, you know, you get Bobby Pierce and Joseph Gonzalez coming back. I mean, you know, that's two guys you weren't counting on getting back. I love Ike Irish. I think Stanfield will have a big role. And then Auburn went out and got three or four transfers, a you know, middle infielder, another outfielder. Um, of course, Cooper McMurray coming back at first base as well. Got a, they got a pitcher. I, I love the transfer portal additions they had, plus the returning guys that didn't jump ship that Auburn thought would. And so I'm excited about Auburn baseball. I, I know you lost a couple of good players, but I think that the Pierce-Irish 
combination in the batting order along with Gonzo being your number one. And, you know, Stanfield's excited. I, I just like this team. Uh, I think Cooper McMurray, like I said, has, has an opportunity to do some damage at first base. So left-handed big bat. I, I'm excited for this year. Uh, I think it's going to be, a, you know, I think Auburn will, uh, last year they got to host a regional. I would imagine the same thing happens, hopefully with better results. But I like the core and I like the transfers that Butch Thompson brought in. Well, good thing is they play in the SEC, which is just a terrible baseball conference. I mean, they should just be able to roll and, and not have to good worry about Lord. anything, right? You know, it's funny you say that because being a guy that grew up out west, and I hate to keep bringing this up, but I grew up watching Pac-10 baseball, which was dynamic. I mean, yeah. it was great. Arizona, Arizona State, UCLA with Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer. Think about that. They were in the same rotation. That that's that's ridiculous. Um, actually, saw, I'm so old. Jacob, I saw John Elway play baseball. How about that? John <laughs> Elway played college baseball for Stanford. Had a cannon, by the way. Okay. Had, had the strongest outfield arm I've ever seen. Shocker. But, so, you know, and then the SEC has really just come on. I mean, I, I grew up watching really good baseball. I loved college baseball because of what part of the country I lived. And then, yeah, SEC is dynamic. I mean, it, it, you, will, you will have every team – I mean – Teams that get left out of the SEC tournament could be good in regionals. That's how deep the SEC is in baseball. That's stupid. That's stupid. Like it's just, it's the. Would you? It's fair to say that's the most dominant sport that the Southeastern Conference has right now. It is because you've got you know at any given time, depending on how they do regionals and super regionals, you could have four SEC teams in the College World Series. Gosh, I I, I could see a, a. you know, four of the eight. I could see a scenario where that would happen. And, I mean, that's just dominant, total dominant. Yes, it is. And with the Pac-12 breaking up, you know. and Which is sad to see on the baseball side of things. What now? I said it's sad to see on the baseball side of it things is, for the Pac-12. They're going to play Big Ten baseball, which is we are going to play in cold weather with your UCLA. I mean, you know, Big 12, Arizona playing, you know, Texas. I, I just don't. It's just not the same. It doesn't have the same – draw or pull that it did especially having to travel across the country to play these games sometimes in cold weather it's just not a good fit i mean arizona and like i said you know the big 12 i mean you know you got colorado arizona 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 state rivalry will stay that way ucla usc rivalry will stay that way in baseball but it's just stanford's got a good baseball program but going into the big 10 just doesn't make sense from a baseball standpoint Yeah, I'm with you on that. And there's so much more to talk about when it comes to college baseball. It is coming up fast, and we'll definitely be talking with Daryl about that when that gets here, continuing to talk about basketball season and any updates we have on the football side of things. Daryl Dapperts joins me every Tuesday here on ESPN 106.7. Daryl, tell the people where you are, how they can find you, and everything you're doing, man. I can't keep up anymore. A couple of appearances a week on Locked on Auburn with Zach Blackerby. Uh, And then, of course, we do the – after basketball games live uh, we'll do those whether it's a wednesday night game or a saturday game we'll be there awesome man hey daryl dapridge from locked on auburn joining us here on espn 106.7 you are on the line on espn 106.7 call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 
winding down here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. We appreciate Daryl Dapper's Double D joining us uh, on the show. We'll talk to him some more about some football things next week. Uh, we'll get some thoughts on DJ Durkin, the new defensive coordinator hire. We talked a lot about that today. Some basketball, NFL, all sorts of good stuff. Uh, former intern Michaela joined me in the first hour. Co-hosting joined us on the show before she uh, goes off and takes a big-time job, so congratulations to her, and uh, we appreciate her stopping by Jack Hudden called in an hour number two had some great phone calls throughout the day as well and then Double D just got done with him so a great show if you missed any of it you can go and catch up with the podcast you can find it at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast I'll be on the air tonight for Lee Scott basketball Tiger Country 104 5 545 as Lee Scott in tournament now they're in postseason play so be sure you tune in for that we'll be back tomorrow with Uncle T-Bone we'll talk with George Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. More defensive coordinator talk, basketball talk as Auburn takes on Vanderbilt and a whole lot more. So that'll be on tomorrow's show on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. So until then, 2-4 to four, right here on ESPN 1067. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.